0: Boils and ghouls. It's time to gather round us, horrifying Hunter, petrified Preston, and devilish Dan. Crack open another cursed volume of tales from the crypt. This is horrors from the vault. <laughs>
1: Welcome, kitties, to horrors from the vault. My name is Horrifying Hunter, and I'll be one of the three shadowy figures leading you into the dark and haunted corridors of this very vault tonight. We're cracking open our fifteenth tome of season two with "Mute Witness to Murder," an episode all about the sheer terror one can experience by establishing any sort of connection with their neighbors. But before we can venture fully into the vault, let me introduce you to my co-hosts, Petrified Preston. Are you a good neighbor? Do you interact with your neighbors? Do you bring them treats for the holidays? Do you sometimes uh get get their piece of the lawn when it's a little overgrown? Where where are you sitting on the neighbor situation?
2: You know, that is a fantastic question. So I would consider myself simply a neighbor. Um a good neighbor, questionable. However, I'm kind of the type of neighbor where like they would never know I existed unless they saw me leaving my driveway. So you know what, to me, that Like, that's fine. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not giving gifts, but I'm also not being a dick. So, you know, there's that. Are you cranking your sound
1: system now? You probably I don't know where your setup is, but assuming you normally watch your movies in the basement or a uh, kind of isolated area. Uh, it, it probably isn't too bad when you are watching Hard Target for the 86th time, right? You know, God,
2: God bless rural Kentucky, dude. I am way the hell off the road. There ain't nobody, Uh, you know, I'm bothering with my shit. Oh, perfect. Perfect. Yeah, Look,
1: I, I can't relate. Unfortunately, I am in the suburbs of Orlando, Florida. But we've never bothered anybody. We're, and we're, we're never loud. Um, So maybe our dog's are, are assholes sometimes, but uh, you know that's the nature of of owning dogs um devilish Dan as, as someone no. who's best friend is the raven that occasionally visits. how <laughs> is your <laughs> situation with your
0: neighbors? i mean same thing as preston if i never left the house they might think this place was completely empty uh we we do not talk to very many people i know one of my direct neighbor's names and i'm not sure what the other woman's name is uh, and that's okay i don't need to know their life story or anything like that <laughs> you don't fuck with me i'm gonna fuck with you let's all live in our little hovels together do you would you trust one of these neighbors? No, if like, no, you would not
2: trust <laughs> any of them. The answer is
0: no. Uh, I mean, the woman next on one side of us, uh, she ain't going nowhere. She's ancient and it would take her all day to waddle over. So I'm not going <laughs> to put anything on her. Um, maybe the guy on the other side, sure. Depends what it is in this whole situation. <laughs> we got you know listen man we got a fucking treasure trove in here sometimes of some some cool shit and i don't want people seeing my cool shit and taking my cool shit so hey that's fair
1: so none of us are really the neighborly type which might actually work out in our favor for this week's episode guys let's talk about mute witness to murder but before we can talk about the episode itself preston coming to see you over at the house of horror
2: hey man let's do it the crypt of terror number 18 uh we're going back to june 1950 i mean we going way back for this one um so i know right uh mute witness to murder a pretty seamless companion honestly to the episode itself which i'm really looking forward to talking about i mean sure with the episode there's more meat on the bone right to add to kind of a broader story but most of the beats are really still there um, it's funny because with this being from 1950 i mean let's face it there are some things that are kind of dated with this such as the opening line to the story itself <laughs> and unfortunately i let's see here do i have that pulled up i don't think i have that pulled up dan do you know what it was i heard i heard you kind of laugh there
0: <laughs> I don't know the direct quote, but it's something about uh, women being the talkative part of the species. Or something yes, like that.
2: Yeah. you're exactly. I saw that. I was like, oh, oh boy, it's one of these, uh, one of these um, installments. Um, but I will say, once you know how the story ends, it doesn't quite end in a sexist way. So I guess there's that for a win, right? Um, I really, really like this episode, and we're going to talk about it. I think it's a pretty great episode, to be honest. I like the comic. Um, You know, like we always say, if you're a completionist like us nerds, of course, check it out. In my opinion, I'd be good with sticking to the episode itself. I'm a big fan of Patricia Clarkson, who we're going to be talking about soon. I think she's lovely. I think she's able to really convey a lot through being mute, you know, well over half the episode, probably on the page. It's a little bit drier, right? Um, I do love the suspense it's able to bring. Um, I just think it's generally more, effective on the screen um, certainly more positive than negative here Um, in fact I mean there's not really much to be negative about at all really in terms of, of the story and everything it's it's a really interesting story I just um, I do prefer the on-screen counterpart is it's able to kind of breathe a little more give give the story some more life I don't know how you guys feel about it but you know it's
0: it's a it's a totally fine story i'll be negative on the comic for okay. two reasons one it's it's tougher to chase down than our normal comics because it hasn't been collected on anything on hoopla so you have to kind of go to the higher seas to find it somewhere and read it yes uh and also it's ironic that it's about a woman who can't talk because that's all she does in uh in her inner <laughs> in monologue uh yes. there's, it's a bit we've we've been over it before where some of these get wordy, and this one is especially egregious. I mean, there's they say things with ten words that they could have said with two.
2: (laughs) I could could definitely see that. Yeah,
0: All right, but Dan, we gotta go see you Mm -hmm. over with the top billing this week. Oh, boys. Might be another one of those weeks, folks. One where your old buddy Dan has a rough time coming up with interesting factoids about our creative team, but let's see what we can do. So... Right at first, Nancy Doyne uh, only has six credits total on IMDb, four projects ranging from 1986 to 2020, including this episode and an episode of Tales from the Dark Side. They do have two upcoming projects, namely China Game and Dance 88. Maybe one of those will be a big hit. Who knows? Probably not. Not a whole lot better is our director, Jim Simpson, two total directing credits, this episode and something called The Guy is from 2002, which he also has an acting credit for. Uh, He was also an AD on Event Horizon and Spice World, so that's pretty fun cast is a little better. Right up top, we have Richard Thomas as Dr. Trask. He is well-known as John Boy on 124 episodes of The Waltons. He most recently was on 10 episodes of Ozark as Nathan Davis, and on The Americans for 48 episodes as Frank Gadd. Finally, he played Grown-Up Bill on the original It miniseries and one episode of Dave's World with previous star Harry Anderson. Second up, we got Patricia Clarkson as Susie. Patricia is someone that I've seen in a ton of things and then completely forgot about her minutes (laughs) later. Uh, She is very excellent at playing one of those prickly woman type characters such as Adora in the Sharp Objects miniseries, Jane Davis in House of Cards, or one of Ron's ex-wives in Parks and Rec. She has also Sarah, Connor on, Sarah O'Connor on seven episodes of Six Feet Under, and besides that, her most well-known parts are Olivia in The Station Agent, Melinda in The Green Mile, Rosemary in Easy A, and Ava in The Maze Runner series. Preston, anything you wanted to say about Patricia? You, you seem to be a fan of hers.
2: Well, I am a fan of hers, but what's so funny is, like, not that I necessarily forgot about her, but it she is one of those actresses where when I went to her IMDb IMDb page and I see what she's known for, I'm like, hmm, like none of those things is what I'm thinking of is when I, when I think of her, she's almost just one of those people you've seen in, in things. You know what I'm Mm -hmm. saying? There's one movie I want to give a shout out, and this is incredibly random uh, and decently niche, but um, I'm a big, well, we all are to a degree, big, like, you know, holiday, kind of movie watchers you know depending on what time of the season it is trying to trying to line things up there's a great thanksgiving movie there's not enough thanksgiving movies but there is a good one called pieces of april and i believe she plays the mother in this movie and it's uh it's a good movie uh so check it out for uh, more lovely patricia
0: clarkson content if you would like The main thing I know about Pieces of April is its cover is a gothed up Katie Holmes. And we had about 50 copies of it at the GameStop I worked at for some reason. And I'm not (laughs) sure why we had so many trade-ins of that particular movie.
2: That's hilarious. That doesn't sound like a good thing. You know what? Speaking of good things, Oliver Platt is in it. What more do you need? I mean, come on. I do love me
0: some Oliver Platt. Come on. You know who else um, I love? Oh, Goffed
1: go ahead. Katie Holmes. I kind of do.
0: I'm here for it. <laughs> I'm not against it. No. You know who else I'm not against? Reed Blimey as Paul. He recently played a man named Richard in two excellent movies, the heavy handed and downer mass and the excellent tense and beautifully shot the menu. I highly suggest checking both of those out. When he's not playing Men Named Richard, you can see him in House of Cards as Donald Blythe, the aforementioned Patricia Clarkson, nine episodes of The Blacklist as Tom Connolly, and the bizarro release from 2021, Strawberry Mansion. If you're into weird-ass movies, that's a good one to check out. And those are our main players and creative team for the week. Good stuff,
1: Dan. Nice. Well before we can talk about the episode itself, we do need to visit our friend, the crypt keeper who this time we're naming him Dr. Crypty. Um, look, I love the outfit. I like that little thing he wears on his head. I like the return of his black kitty, which is, I guess is kind of reoccurring theme that I was not aware of prior to doing this show. I, I tried to look for it. I, I wonder if that cat has a name. We've seen him a couple times uh. at this point. Um, so is that the Crypt Keeper's cat? That's that's kind of my head cannon. He's not down there by himself. He's got a he's got a feline companion, which makes him all the sweeter to me.
0: Yeah, maybe he came and visited the Crypt Keeper when he was living in that cave uh, after the last episode. <laughs> Good point. I like, <laughs> I like it.
1: I also uh, really like that small, comical-looking skull that's in the
0: corner of his see- desk. Yes, yes. I noticed that. I was like, that skull is badass looking, and I thought I was going to be the only one that noticed that random ass thing. No, love that skull,
1: dude. It's a fun one. It kind of looks like, um, it kind of look. I forget the main characters. Maybe it's like Sir Daniel from the medieval series. That might be his name. Uh, It's got kind of that fun, but it was just like, oh, that's not a regular skull. That's a that's a cartoon skull. What's going on with that one? I want to know more about it.
2: That's a cutesy skull.
0: Yeah. I don't think it's been in any other episodes either. Like, I think I would have noticed had. had
1: Yeah. For the amount of times we rewatched this, you think we would have picked up on it if it was there, but yeah, I, uh, I've never seen that little skull before. Let us know Mm. listeners. If you picked up on other various fun skulls in the background, please let us know because (laughs) Dan and I are apparently enamored with the thing. (laughs) (laughs)
0: That's really random. Uh, I did want to point out too the, this appears to be what the DVD menus from season two are modeled after. He's always appearing as a doctor, even though it's like a different version of the puppets. Yeah.
1: And uh, I don't think we've really talked about it, but I'm glad that the Crypt Keeper is in the era of interactive DVD menus when it was at its height, when people were doing all sorts of crazy stuff. Dan, I just popped in my DVD of the 10th anniversary edition of Clerks yesterday because it was (laughs) Clerks season and the explosions anytime you click on something that big x that kind of in and out whenever you i'm like ah it's the dvd era and whenever i pop in my dvd for tales from the crypt and this guy greets me all season i'm like i want to where did this come from why is he a doctor and now we've got our (laughs) answer Now, now you know yeah that puppet looks rough though by comparison yeah, it's, it's a shit puppet it's, yeah. you can tell that it's not
0: the same one they redid it just for the dvd they
1: did that a couple times like the not crypt tv but um oh, i forget um fear.net i think was what it was mm-hmm. um when they revitalized the Crypt Keeper for some of the tales from the crypt i think they use a similar kind of Uh, not very good puppet unfortunately i know the the budget was limited and they didn't have the hbo money at that point but whenever you see that puppet it makes the hbo one all the more miraculous with what they're pulling off there.
2: using like a stunt puppet
0: (laughs) yeah basically
1: yeah i want to see him like fly what what did we say in that basketball episode i want to see him like uh michael (laughs) jordan at the end of space jam (laughs) (laughs) stretch Yeah, yeah yeah television terror the episode itself. Stars from the Vault listeners, have you ever seen the classic Simpsons episode, "Bart of Darkness? It was the first episode of season six and aired a little over four years after this episode of Tales from the Crypt we're talking about today. You know, in my humble opinion, season six is the absolute best that the Simpsons had to offer. In this episode, directed by Jim Reardon, who later went on to co-write *Wally*, which was nominated for Best Original Screenplay at the 81st Academy Awards, Bart breaks his leg and eventually starts to experience delusional behavior, which culminates in him believing that Ned Flanders has killed his wife. It's a spin on Hitchcock's rear window, and it's truly a delight with some of the best gags the series has to offer. Sadly, however, we're not here to discuss Bard of Darkness, but instead Mute Witness to Murder, a questionable (laughs) episode of Tales from the Crypt. Susie is a stone-cold fox who is celebrating her wedding anniversary with Paul, who is one of the more plain white men to ever exist. After the party dies down, Susie witnesses her neighbor smack his bitch up in the words of the 1997 (laughs) rave superstars The Prodigy. The doctor finishes the deed, and Susie finds herself unable to speak, and Polly D runs down to find her a doctor. That doctor is Dr. Trask, who is the same man who just finished reenacting his own interpretation of Chris Brown's greatest hits. (laughs) Upon realizing that Susie is the one who was watching from the window, Trask pulls out a comically large syringe that he just so happened to have and knocks Susie out. Fellas, I want to ask you, when did you guys realize you were
0: in trouble with this episode? Was it right here like me? (laughs) <laughs> yeah because the actual murder i think was was shot really well uh i i like that it was you know kind of lit by just the lamp uh-huh. light and yeah the the lighting was really cool yeah it's a kind of a rip off of rear window but hey what what isn't um <laughs> we should have been clued in a little bit by the fact that they are having an anniversary costume party which is strange and she's it's a cat. More. she's a cat not a fox uh but he's not wearing a costume for some reason. I don't know why everyone else is, but he refused to. Maybe he's just a square motherfucker. But yeah, like they could have jazzed him up a bit, put him in a Viking costume or something. But yeah, we should have been clued in by the fact that they are having an anniversary costume party.
1: I and, and, never, and then they
0: pull out the giant syringe. Dan, I'm
1: glad to hear you say that, <laughs> yeah. because if any of us here was most likely to have a wedding anniversary
0: costume, mm party it would be you and beth yeah and, we got uh, married on halloween so that would actually make sense maybe they got uh, married on halloween we don't know what time it is during the the show do we we don't no? know not maybe it's halloween preston
1: you opened with when you were talking about the comic that you actually really liked this episode so i did i want not that you need to play defense with us ever but you might have to stick up for yourself because I, uh, I, this episode was, was problematic for me. So really, uh, let's, let's talk about it.
2: Well, to be honest with you, I, and I, well, you already brought, you guys both already brought it up, but like, you know, clearly I knew from the get go, this was going to be like a very Hitchcockian take, which I thought was kind of interesting because, you know, that's not really. I don't know, that's not really a lot of something we see in the tales from the crypt series necessarily and so I thought oh this is this is kind of interesting. And I don't mean to like summarize my thoughts on the episode itself already but just kind of in a nutshell like I thought that this one more than really any episode we've watched recently felt like a 25 minute movie like in and of itself to a okay. degree. Um and I don't know, like it just it it worked for me. I don't, I don't really, I don't really know. Like, so you kind of knew we were getting in a wrong direction. Was it, what was it specifically again? Um, for
1: me, I, I don't think the performances are up to task. Uh, okay. okay. Um, I don't think, Uh, unfortunately Dan you're the guy that keeps track of all the names I I don't keep that written down but Mm -hmm. I thought Trask himself was kind of underwhelming as a bad guy Uh, and I uh I didn't really buy into his his gimmick instead of me being like oh like that's a serious thing she can exploit to take advantage of him he kind of just felt like a dork to me um (laughs) and then Susie is like she's committed right like she's the best performance by far but I think like in scenes where Trask and Paul are going back and forth, especially their fight scene that happens in the hallway mm-hmm. later on, I'm like, oh, they're kind of terrible. Um, and I I had that feeling the first time I watched it. And unfortunately, on the subsequent viewings, I felt that it got worse. And I don't know if that yeah. just makes me kind of an asshole because like, no. it is what it is, but uh, I... I think the performances, unfortunately, with this uh, really let down what could be a pretty solid script. And I also, unfortunately, think the direction is very plain Jane. I don't think there's a lot of interesting stuff that's done here when it's it could actually be a pretty effective suspense
0: thriller if done Mm -hmm. correctly. Yeah. Yeah. That's not what makes you an asshole, but uh, we won't talk about that. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, this this is definitely a hit or miss episode, especially with the direction. I think there are a lot of kind of fun flourishes. We'll get to uh, the actual asylum later, but the use of the camera in the wall and the way they shoot Trask when he's talking to, by the way, the, the nurse's name is just Desk. Not nurse desk, <laughs> not Linda desk, just desk. I called her um, carrot lady. so yeah. be- <laughs> she, she did feed her carrots. Um, but yeah, when they shoot him from that, that camera in the wall, I think that is really off-putting and very cool. Uh,
1: but yeah. the rest
0: of it is very bland.
1: Susie's mute ass is checked into a sanitarium, not unlike Jamie Lloyd in Halloween 5. She's placed (laughs) in a padded room and witnesses Trask having a minor heart attack from his heart condition, which means he definitely couldn't ride most attractions at Universal Studios Mm. Florida. Dr. Trask explains to Paul Rubens that his wife has been deemed traumatized and it's probably because of the baby food carrots they keep feeding her. We cut back to Paul McCartney talking to his sister who tells him that Trask is probably a freak and shouldn't be trusted. Polly Shore goes back to Dr. Trask and witnesses his wife stomping around in her padded cell and believes that she has completely lost it. A few days later, Paul Stanley revisits the good doc and shoves him against the wall, demanding to be let in, rushing to his wife's Hannibal Lecter position. She tries to tell him via Shreds that Trask murdered his wife, and that's why she's frozen mute, but Trask comes in and stabs Paul Giamatti in the neck. He eventually dies due to his crunched windpipe and broken neck, which brings a print to Paul Verhoeven. Um, there's a lot there. There's a lot yeah. for us to go oh, over. Well done. Well um, done. lots of pulse um i don't i i already mentioned it so i i won't harp on it i think that that action scene with them in the padded cell it's just weird it's not (laughs) shot well and i don't think it conveys any sort of danger or thrill to it and also did you guys notice the weird lighting shift That happens here and no one like hits the switch at least as far as i can tell it goes from this dark like moody lighting to when the windpipe uh or or the neck breakage i I guess it's kind of both but when trask steps on uh paul mccartney's neck here and snaps it uh it's like full fluorescent lighting when all of the other lighting in the scene prior was or in the, the scene just a couple seconds before was dark and shadowy and I didn't really get that transition
0: at all, unfortunately. <laughs> oh, weird. Yeah. I didn't catch that. I don't yeah, think I didn't catch that either. Um, but this, this is really where I have a lot of problems. And again, you, you said you blew through a lot of story all at once, but there's not really a lot to recap. Yeah, and yeah. unfortunately I, I hate the trope of manic female trying to convince people that, you know, what she saw is real or you know, she she knows what she saw. She knows what she saw. I I can't sure. stand them running around screaming their heads off and no one believing them. It's just it's it's frustrating, which it's meant to be, but it's also frustrating because it's kind of lazy writing. But we needed more of that in this episode. There's nothing convincing anyone, and I thought desk, yes, not nurse desk, just desk, um, was going to kind of uh you know pick up on that because when they had utilize. the. the yeah, when they had the carrot feeding scene, it seemed like she was like, you like the other girls or you're not like the other girls. You know, you're you're one of the good ones or whatever, but Yeah, it's true. That never developed at all and um there also wasn't anything saying, yeah, this woman is insane and needs to be kept in the asylum. Uh you got to do one or the other, not not neither. Yeah.
1: They like make the nurse an accomplice to Trask and like all these terrible things cuz obviously she's aware of it but like they never dive into her character whatsoever she's not even a henchman she's basically just a cardboard cutout mm-hmm. that shows up to feed her carrots um, <laughs> it's it's strange they even have that interaction where she's uh where Trask is like whenever the husband comes back he's got weird psychosexual tendencies don't allow him in the room or whatever <laughs> and they they just do nothing with her
0: besides her going basically like okay yes sir um I, did she even did she show see? up again after that scene i don't think so yeah, i couldn't even cuz i you. think i think no. the scene I after that was so. that the orderlies fighting him and your your favorite action scene in the hallway
1: yeah
2: yeah i yeah, think man. you're right
1: um was there anything else in that recap once again i know there's a lot but outside of the action scene and uh, it's just kind of discovering that uh, dr trask has that heart condition Really,
0: not a lot happens here. Unfortunately, oh, I I do have a a good quote for the week. Uh, it's when he's Paul's talk, or he's talking to Paul. Uh, he says, "Sometimes the first few years of married life, the noise, the constant yammering." the constant yammering Uh,
1: yeah dan did you have because you didn't chime in with this and preston and i are kind of all over the place did you have any similar issues with the performances that i did or were they just fine for you
0: uh i thought john boy uh dr trask was actually pretty good um he he probably could have, you know, diabolic it up a little more, get a little more manic. Mm
2: -hmm. Um,
0: Yeah. Cause it doesn't read like someone that would strangle his wife to death after hitting her in the face of the lamp. Uh, He's, he's just too, too calm for the rest of the episode. Um, Patricia Clarkson was good with the limited amount she had. I wish they would have given her one good line near the end. Cause the one that she does have doesn't quite work. Um, And Paul was uh, Paul. (laughs) yeah that guy
2: yeah even i'll say yeah that guy wasn't much for me it was so funny like when i upon seeing the doctor and watching his performance like you know as it kind of got into it i i did i enjoy it like it you know it wasn't amazing but it was fine um i just was thinking oh the guy from it cool yeah you know it just it just was like that was basically it
1: (laughs) Wouldn't have been great if Paul was a confused sort and when he shows up to have his confrontation for Trask, then he's wearing the costume like he's in a funny <laughs> outfit or a clown suit or there like, you go. Like just completely thrown us for a loop with him showing up as some sort of character, I think would
0: have given him a little bit of a spark. He is wearing a really bad tie, at least twice, once at the yeah. party and once when he gets and it's one of those like weird out of time Big fat ties that no matter what you do, it's going to be like two thirds of your chest, not you yeah. know, normal normal width. Yeah, I don't I don't <laughs> understand that uh that tie game at all. But hey, he seems to like it.
1: Doctor Trask visits Susie and unleashes her from her straitjacket, and she uh, breaks loose and claws at his face. He temporarily gets the upper hand, but has a major heart attack. And after begging for his pills, Susie reveals that she actually can talk. She celebrates the occasion by breathing heavily into the microphone and acting like me drunk in front of my ring doorbell after a (laughs) night out with my friend, Duff. Um, this is what you're talking. And that's, that's the end of the episode, but this is what you're talking about, Dan, where you're like, there's, they don't really give her a note to end on. Um, and I, I understand why you end the story where it does like I think that there's not more narrative for you to tell it's a fine enough note but she needed definitely more to do performance wise in these last couple seconds because every time we reached this point I was just kind of like huh and then the whole oh, the Dr. Trask is dead it just it didn't work for me as a conclusion and in fact when the Crypt Keeper slams in right after here I was like oh it's over that's weird yeah. okay
0: we're at the yeah. end uh got it i and again this is that back to that camera shot that i really like and it it does a great job of conveying that you know that ironically she may have been driven a little bit insane by this this experience even though she was put in there for being insane when she was completely sane yeah um but yeah, th- it it just kind of like you can tell that she's hoping for a good line to deliver, but she just kind of stands there and, and <laughs> giggles until they yell cut. So, yeah,
2: um, I think I thought it was interesting and I know we'll address it um, in kind of the end scene with with Crypti. Um, He kind of addresses, you know, the fact that it was an open ended episode. Um, do you guys like have a thought of whether you think she she got out or was kept in or? Or do I you mean, care?
1: She <laughs> killed a guy. She went to jail. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, she got unfortunately that's the end of it. Um, I I mean, maybe there's a little bit of that movie ending where um, you know, she she got out because like they figured out he was just like a bad person and there's like a, a paper right. trail and she defended herself. Um, but according to those cameras, he unlocked her and then went nuts on his face. He had a heart attack. And he died. I mean, what? That's got to be manslaughter, right? So oh, yeah. true. Yeah.
0: the The one thing that the episode didn't deal with too is there. I want to know whether anyone's looking into the woman. I'm assuming it's his wife who got murdered. Uh, sure. Like, he doesn't seem to be, you know, nervous that the police are looking into it. Does anyone even know she's dead? You know, is was even, someone? Yeah, yeah. Even a line
1: where if he was talking to the nurse and he was just like. Um, there's too much going Uh, on yeah there's too much going on the police are looking for me whatever Um, and maybe he doesn't want to tell that to his employee but like there's some way in the dialogue that they could have referenced that event that set everything up but i guess maybe they're working under the assumption of the trauma from that death is obviously the more important part rather than the character that got died who didn't even have a name who got died who got killed (laughs) that didn't even have a name so you know, I can see it either way. Um, one, one sticking point for me, though, I don't think the episode did a really good job of conveying her discovering her ability to speak again.
0: Mm-hmm. When yeah, she, she just kind of yeah. got surprised
1: by it. When she has that moment where she's like looking up at the light or whatever, it's just this weird uh, longer scene. And there's not enough information there that, I didn't realize what was happening in that moment until my second time watching it. I don't think they convey uh, that, uh, honestly, critical point of the story very well at all in the actual episode. Yeah, I agree. Interesting. You brought up uh, the closing Crypt Keeper moment, Preston, and this got a really good laugh out of me. It's the way that he mutters, where's Houdini when you need him? It's just (laughs) like he's exasperated, like under the breath. He's not even like doing his full like cackling falsetto or whatever. He's just really pissed off that he's in this situation and it's a fun <laughs> gag. And I love the way it's shot too. It's like a little bit lower. He looks great on the screen. Like that is a, I don't know. That is like a desktop wallpaper crypt keeper. If I had ever seen, you'd put it in your, your slideshow of like 20 other favorite crypt oh, keeper. Yeah. Bits, you know,
2: he looks great. I love the shot from, from up above the, the, i'm assuming that's a casket or whatever and he's yeah i got yeah. the straight jacket on movements are great as always i mean we talk about that every time so yeah this was this was a good one
0: i particularly like the lighting in the scene lots of pinks and yeah. oranges and yep. the green to contrast it. it looked fantastic
1: that's what i'm saying it just really pops off the screen and even though you know he does more elaborate gigs um gags and he just looks uh maybe visually more appealing later on there's just something about the way that this is composed that really puts it together as like
0: oh hell yeah that's great (laughs) it's just because like half the puppet team was off this week so they're like we can't move the arms just put (laughs) put them in a straight jacket that's right (laughs) all
1: right well let's go ahead and pay our last respects devilish dan why don't you go ahead and kick us off this week
0: yeah, I think it's probably no surprise this one was not one of my favorite ones. Uh, it was very just kind of down the middle again, but actually a little less because I got kind of bored uh, on the second and third watches of just back and forth from the asylum to the apartment, from the asylum to the apartment. Uh, I want to give it two severed thumbs up. All right. President, I want you to close because I really
1: want to end this episode on a triumphant note. So I'm just going <laughs> to hop in here. I have a lot of issues with this uh, episode and unfortunately you know I wasn't the biggest fan of Corman's Calamity but there was something fun and gag about that (laughs) does that make sense there was something fun about the nature of that episode Um, and I think like I'm giving it a little bit of that Tales from the Crypt boost where even if I had major issues with the romance and kind of the way that story was told I'm more likely to visit that one than this one I've already laid out my problems with it, so I won't repeat it. But uh, looking at the rating that I gave Corman's Calamity, uh, I think that I'm probably going to match this, uh, that one. And I'm going to say a one point 1.5.
2: point five. OK, so, yeah, like I that that's really funny that I'm kind of the only one among us that that enjoyed it. Um As well as I did, not among the best by any means, but enjoyable, I would say. And like I said, it felt, you know, decently cinematic to me. The performances did work. Um, There were definitely some things that I appreciate you guys bringing up, though, that made complete sense and this is one of those episodes um whether we're you know reviewing uh, reviewing an episode here or i'm on letterboxd i'm like damn for some movies i really want that quarter star you know what i mean like some mm-hmm. movies just feel right and uh, this is an episode that feels that way i'm ultimately gonna go with a three um i would i would jump up you know, a a little bit, but three and a half seems a little too much. So I guess I'm uh, at the end of the day, just a sucker for rear window, man. And I know we all are, but, um, yeah, this, it worked for me.
1: Thank you all for listening to Horrors from the Vault. If this is your first time joining us, why, why would you pick this one? i I don't get it go back and listen to an episode on a better one you'll enjoy it (laughs) Um, but seriously we are glad that you decided to stop by uh we of course are a weekly tales from the crypt fan cast, covering each episode in chronological order so thanks for stopping by devilish dan let the folks know where they can keep up with horrors from
0: the vault and yourself Mm. Horror Vault Pod on all the good social networks, not Facebook, not TikTok, but all the rest. we have been getting some good feedback lately and I've been loving it. So send over messages. Uh, if you want to send a longer message and don't feel like dealing with apps and want to deal with your uh, email app only, it's horrorvaultpod at gmail.com. Uh, but if you want to keep up with just me, myself, and I, uh, same socials, all the good ones, at Red, right, Dan, also on Letterboxed at Daniel P. Sims with two Ms. Good stuff. What feedback have you got recently? I'm not seeing any of it. Oh, it's uh, mostly on Instagram. There's some comments on episodes, and uh, I know uh, one of our good friends Brian listens to the uh, the podcast on his commutes, and he is keeping up with his homework. So we all appreciate that. Absolutely. Nice. Thanks, Brian. And thanks to the rest of you that I don't know the name
1: of, but we appreciate you being here. Mm -hmm. And if you have a moment, uh, we don't mention this enough, but we've been stuck on iTunes reviews for a little while. We understand not everybody uses iTunes, uh, but that is the platform that I use, so it's the one that I am keeping up with. I guess it's called Apple Podcasts now. We do appreciate your Spotify and other outlet uh, reviews, but if you have a chance, pop on over to Apple Podcasts if you've got that leave us a review we would really appreciate it because once we get to 50 we're gonna do something nice but we only have 14 now so we really need you guys to amp it up i'm gonna be making fake accounts soon (laughs) um just just get this ball rolling petrified preston let the folks know everything that you've been up to lately
2: sorry i'm texting my mom to tell her to give us a five star review okay um Yes. Hey, we mentioned it a little bit earlier, as we always do. Um, You can find me on Letterboxd um, at Preston967. That's where I spend most of my time these days. Twitter under the same handle, Facebook under Preston Green. And uh, hey, you can find me right here. We're having a good time. Freshly baked bread.
1: You best believe I'm going to be fitting in juicy steak and freshly baked bread
2: (laughs) into the foreseeable
1: future. It still makes me laugh, and I'm still getting messages about that one. So (laughs)
2: amazing.
0: Um,
1: Yeah, Preston and I. Unfortunately, not Dan because he's not invited because he's got Mm -hmm. weird opinions sometimes. Um, Sometimes. But. Uh, Preston and I were actually just on the Real Fans for Real Movies podcast. Yeah. We just talked about our worst of 2023 uh, really laid out. If you want to hear Preston say some really mean words about Ant-Man Quantumania, you definitely Mm. want to go check out that episode. And by the time this goes up, it should be available. Uh, You can also find us on the same podcast feed talking about our favorite movies of the year but if you want to hear all three of us together this will be the last time i talk about it i swear on the grim grinning host podcast us three guys we got together to talk about our favorite physical media blu-ray releases of the year and that episode was a hoot if you're looking to getting into buying movies or you just need ideas of what you missed in the last year that you should definitely check out that's a real good episode and i'm proud of how all that came together we actually sound like we know something which is rare doesn't happen a lot except on horrors from the vault and the grim grinning house podcast you can find me on letterboxd and instagram at discount vincent price and of course the usual places like disorder every disney film uh the catacombs of halloween horror nights right here on the neo network and the aforementioned grim grinning house thank you all so much for tuning in we'll catch you next week and cryptkeeper if you're out of that jacket. Let's go watch The Prestige together. You're going to learn some new tricks. But hit that motherfucking bass.